For July 20th, 2009, it's the Overthinking It Podcast, episode 55, Celebrity Death Trifecta. Welcome to the Overthinking It Podcast, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. I'm your host, Matthew Rather, and uh, I'm here with the panel of overthinkers. Well, I'm not here with the panel of overthinkers. I'm here, and they're there. But through the miracle of technology, we are all in your ear, and we are here to put it in your ear till they tell us to go home. So the Emmy nominations were made this week, and the question for the panel this week is, if you were nominated for some category, real or imagined, in the Emmy Awards, what would it be? Again, in his rightful place at the beginning of the alphabet, from Cambridgeport, Cambridge, Boston, Massachusetts, New England, United States, it's (laughs) Mr. Peter Thank you, thank you, everybody. Really great to be here, Matt. Great, that's a nice. Okay, so you know how they get like a daytime and then they get like a regular time Emmy. If I was going to win Emmy, I was going to win a primetime Emmy, I would win a late night Emmy because I have been on attack for a long time. And so I would probably win best supporting actor in a comedic instant messaging conversation for the late night Emmys because I've had so many like half delirious four in the morning I am conversations. Uh, and, and people have told me that they would keep them and read them for their amusement. So I think that would be where you would find my little statuette holding that little globe uh, with the little spikes coming out of her back. The little sort of lightning bolt wings. It would be for uh, for my crazy late night IM chats, I would say. Awesome. Nice. I don't know. Deserve- what do you think? Do you think you know well? <laughs> uh, so um Mr. Mark Lee, resort to his rightful place in the middle of the alphabet. I'm always in the middle of the alphabet. This this is nothing new. I've never <laughs> been the first. Gosh I'm never darn it. Um, anyway, so I'm assuming that in the near future, in our internet, you know, savvy future world we're living in, that means going to start giving out awards for podcasts. Um, and we'll be first in line, of course. Um, so I'm going to go for um, best performance in a podcast while sweltering uh, in the, in the, in the uh, northeastern summer without air conditioning. And I'm taking, preempting that from John Parrish because I know he's in the same boat as I am. So, so you turn, you have, you have AC, but you turn it off to record the show. That's right, because I care that much. I'm just so dedicated to the craft. This is like method podcasting here. Well, it, uh, you care that much about our listeners and their experience that you don't want that low-frequency hum in the background. Right, that and, that and me, like, you know, all the, the heat and the sweat and the, and the sweltering, you know, just gets me, uh, you know, really gets the overthinking juices. Pumped. Juicing. You're pumped for podcasting. Yeah, I got to say, I mean, uh, I have my air conditioning on, but that's because my apartment is so big that it's in the other room. Well, Lottie freaking da. Of course, I live in New Haven, Connecticut and not in the center of the universe, New, New York City. That, that, that is true. But so. uh, you, you two are preparing to move, aren't you, Mark? To, to, to the different borough, out of Manhattan, leaving the island, going to Brooklyn. Um, you know, just exactly like what happened in Sex and the City. 
Right, to Miranda. You're Miranda. Or are you Steve? uh, I'm Miranda, sure. I'm so Miranda. That's for all all the ladies out there. That is such a Miranda thing to say. Yeah. Um, That's – but I I know it's because you're – I know it's because you revealed your address on an earlier podcast. Oh, I did, yeah. So that's actually a good point there so that um, I'm escaping – all of our podcast listeners who are, um, you know, who uh, who are working their way up to New York City now to my previously dislo- disclosed address. Um, Wait, so you're no longer at that same address? Uh, not for, uh, unfortunately, for a couple of weeks. Damn it! <laughs> hey, hey, John, <laughs> as you're driving back from Mark's old place, could you pick me up something at like the the Krispy Kreme or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Been outside his door for a long time in that Chevy. <laughs> and I should. I I, I kind of appreciate something. I'll, I'll stop in at a Sonic. Oh, excellent. I, I should add that uh, I disclosed my address in the Back to the Future uh, edition of the podcast episode in which I invited uh, time travelers to visit me there. So, unfortunately, I am, um, you, know, uh, the, you know, the time travelers of the future are going to have a tougher time f- tracking me down. So, sorry, guys. Right. But, you, you know, know you, show up, you show up, you knock on, on the... the the door of um, the address that I previously disco- disclosed um, on the verge of, you know, making a, um, uh, an incredible breakthrough in pi- tra- time traveling and in podcasting, and you'll be disappointed. I'm really sorry. Presum- Mark, if, presumably, if they're time yeah, travelers, yeah. they can just go back to when you live there. Because <laughs> they, they travel. Through, I mean, the time. Come on, it, Marky! It, the- you're not thinking fourth dimensionally! sorry john i feel like we got off in a rat hole there uh and we missed you what is your emmy category sir my emmy category is most likely to misuse or invent uh filmmaking terminology uh i bring this i bring this up because I've, i've been doing some some amateur filmmaking recently for things like the 48 hour film contest and the the 24 hour film race and I, I've been told I, I shoot a pretty good film, but that's that's not aided by the fact that I don't really have any formal training. So I'll I'll use terms in ridiculously wrong ways, like quote I'm gonna go a little Dutch angle here, close quote, or <laughs> is that a sex act? Say <laughs> <laughs> that sounds dirty. Yeah. No, no it, it actually is a legitimate thing. It's like uh, if, you, if you've seen The Third Man, it's that weird skewed angle where the, the person's not sitting square in the frame, but they're shot kind of like at a 45-degree angle. That's called Dutch angle because, you know, weird foreign films do it. Uh, <laughs> so it, it is a legitimate cin- cinematographic technique, just not the way I used it. Uh, and I, I think I, I also misquoted a, a term from the... Uh, from the Postal Service song Clark Gable, thinking it meant something other than it did, because that song's about filmmaking as well. I was like, oh, okay, that must be a legitimate thing. So, so yeah, like real pros would snicker behind their their hands watching me work. What's no? You're right. I mean, are you saying that you're like you're you're canting the frame when you say you're going a little Dutch angle? Uh, I don't know what canting the frame means. So. Tilting tilting it so that the line of the horizon is at an angle to the. Uh, to the top and bottom of the frame. But is Dutch Angle just Adam West Batman cinematography? Exactly. Yeah, it's also called according oh! to right. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's our language. Yeah. Oh, okay. Batman. Now. Right. Now. Yeah. What's your What's your other one? I love I love businessy things because I'm a crack door, and uh, you know. Uh, so what's your door? a crack okay, door? Oh, so, <laughs> crack. crack. 
crack whore. So the, so <laughs> An the actor, the other, crack whore. <laughs> so the, the, other, the other invented one was, uh, uh, if you know the, the song Clark Gable, uh, the, the lyrics are pretty much just about this guy setting up a, a short scene he's going to film with an ex-girlfriend. Uh, and he uses he uses in that song the phrase gracing the lens, which I thought, based on context, meant oh, okay, you have you have a stand in there for someone, you know, so you send a stand in like go stand where this person's going to be when I'm filming, and that's gracing the lens. Uh, so I used that a couple times when filming for the 48 Hour Film Project, only to f- realize no one else knew what I was talking about. Get back and Google the lyrics and realize he was actually saying greasing the lens, right? Which is from the pro- which is from the process of you know smearing Vaseline on the lens to make it look soft and out of focus. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like oh, so I just invented a word. You'd think that you could. You'd think that you would like um, just like twist the focus ring just a titch, right? To to achieve that soft focus effect. But no, they actually used to to rub Vaseline on the uh, on the thing for the close up of the girl, never the guy, but always right. the girl. Because I, I would imagine, and again, and again, given my track record on cinematography, you probably don't want to take this at face value. But I would imagine, you know, tr- uh, dialing the focus down would just make it blurry, whereas smearing Vaseline would let you keep some of that focus, but would also diffract the light coming in in an interesting way because of the the water content in the the grease. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, there's this there's this neat effect where things start to look like they're glowing a little bit. Anyway, sorry. That's all, anyway. that's all fun and good, but I think this podcast would sound much better for a mix and doubly. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah. yeah. Speaking of misusing film terms. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, we actually, we, we released the podcast in mono as a mono, like, 64 kilobit uh, download. Oh, I, I thought we were just tired. <laughs> I thought I had mo- I thought I had mono for a whole year. Turns out I was just really bored. <laughs> uh, and mine, my category is of course most pretentious. <laughs> and the winner for 2009 Emmy most pretentious is Matthew Rather. That's me. That's right. Uh, Alec, Alec Baldwin throws his program to the ground. God <laughs> damn it. Uh, so, yes. So we are here and you, you are the fifth podcaster. I guess I say that too much. I should find a new, I should find a new way of saying that. But uh, if you have anything to say uh, to us and agree or violently, especially if you violently disagree with us, we really haven't gotten flamed yet on a voicemail. And I would love that if someone just called in and told us off screaming got like worked up and passionate over uh you know over it but uh if you have any comments passionate or not uh you can leave a comment on the show notes on the site you can use the contact form on the site you can email us at podcastedoverthinkingit.com or you can call the voicemail at 20 eat log Zero one. That's two zero three two eight five six four zero one. Leave your name and leave where you're calling from. And uh, if you have been following this podcast for any length of time, you know that our correspondents always leave uh, their precise coordinates in latitude and longitude. So, um, yes, we will disclose it, but we promise that no one's going to use it to try to, you know, stalk you or anything. Right. I can make no such promises. I don't like making promises that I can't keep. <laughs> and I'm not in control of whether I can keep that promise. You know what? I very, I very often will 
actually truncate the number or round it up so that it's not, you don't get the exact location because you can plug those numbers right into Google Maps and it'll drop a pin uh, at that precise point on the globe. So, um, you know, I... Still I, a couple buildings. I like civilian GPS. I insert a random error into the data, just to uh, you know, like a random hundred meter error, just so that you can't you know use it for terrorism or something. Can I, can I offer a suggestion? Um, if you're too shy or you're a little bit nervous about putting your GPS coordinates, don't be shy about leaving the coordinates for someplace else. Like someplace you do not want some bad person to go, you know, like the middle of a garbage dump or like maybe maybe a water park, like maybe the, the back entrance to a water park or like the staff area. And it's like, that's, yeah, that's where I live. Just wait there. I'm going to be there at like four o'clock, you know, because I would love to see if we had like the overthinking it stalker crew, whoever they are, these like creepy dudes who listen to our podcast and, and hunt down people ask questions. <laughs> Like at Action Park, like hanging out by the dumpster, and like them being like, "Guys, are you okay?" Like, "Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine." Just, just waiting for someone to come home. Uh, just waiting for them to come to their house. Yeah, right. With, uh, with in you know, in a Ford 15 passenger van with, uh, with like curtains over the windows. The bottom line is that like we know that you're all hot. You're you, the listeners to overthinking it are are to overthinking it as hot chicks, and we don't mind if you give us a fake number. <laughs> <laughs> or better yet. We can show it to our friends and say, I got her number. It doesn't matter if it actually leads to anything. One of these, uh, or one of those, like, novelty numbers where you call it and was like, the girl who gave you this number didn't want to give you her real number. <laughs> I, oh, I, I have to tell a funny story. Like, um... Uh, there is a writer on this site, and I won't say who it is, uh, but he had uh, – he, it is not Shana, so it's a he. He had cards printed up that had his name uh, – business cards that had his name, and underneath where the job title would normally go, uh, guy who just hit on you. And it had his phone number. So instead of like, <laughs> instead of, you know, writing his phone number on a napkin at bars or something like that, he, uh, he would um, hand this card out. And I suppose it was a, a great conversation piece. I don't know what his success rate with the card was because I he... Believe it, I believe it was zero. <laughs> zero. I'm pretty sure. Well, you left out the best zero. part. The best part was that the background of the card was like a gradient American flag <laughs> right. waving in breeze. Yeah, it was <laughs> the ball <laughs> He got it from one of those places that, uh, that does free business cards, but they have a very limited palette of designs, <laughs> right? It's like uh, Vistaprint or something where you can do the, um, where you can do free business cards, but they put a, uh, they put a little, they put a little credit on the back for their service and they charge you for shipping. Uh, and they, char- know, they charge you like. Fifteen if bucks for shipping. Or gotten some top line business card. He might have had a little more success. I'm just saying. Yeah, if he had gone all American Psycho with the uh, with the quality of the business card, right? Absolutely. Because yeah. Hey, I want to pimp something. Can I pimp something? Is that is that all right? Are you pimping or are you plugging? Well, I, what's the difference, really? Plugging um, is 
plugging is is just something you're a fan of. Pimping is something you you own. No, it's me. It's something. It's something I own. I want to. Yes, I want to yeah, pimp away. I want to. I want to pimp my own thing. And you know, we should. We should all be free. Feel free to pimp stuff because you know, though our though our projects together are no doubt the best in our lives. I'm sure that you know, being uh, reasonably creative people, we all do other things as well. But I have I have started using this uh, audio blog, this blogging application for the iPhone called Audioboo, where I can record a little five-minute personal podcast and upload them to a website. So I create this uh, I create this this personal podcast that you can subscribe to in iTunes or another podcatcher, or you can just uh, you can just go to the site. So. Uh, to get these and oh and so the reason i'm doing this is because i'm uh i'm um traveling across the country in a couple weeks uh which means that oh mark it's not next week it's the week after that i'll be on the road and uh i hope you can still host i'll be on the road and i'll be calling in and hopefully mark can uh can hold down the fort for us I'm drunk with power. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and so, right, so, you know, I figured I've been talking with people about things along Route 80 as I go across the country, and I've been informed that there in Nebraska is something called Car Henge. And, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I've seen pictures of it. It totally exists. And I, yeah. I just, I want to go there. And so I want to go to there. And so I figured I would get this, uh, this audio blog going, this podcast, short five-minute episodes. And, you know, a couple times when I see something neat on the journey, I'll take a picture of it and upload it along with a little description of it and some thoughts on it. And definitely, if I manage to hit Car Henge, uh, you can bet... That I will uh, that I will record a little five minute thing about my reactions. So uh, the URL is audioboo.fm slash profile slash mrather m w r a t h e r. But if you want to if you want to just get a notification when one pops up, you can follow me on Twitter. It's uh, I'm at mrather m w r a t h e r. And I guess we can all do Twitter names maybe at the at the end or now if you want to. But that's that's my thing. I've a, I have a little side project audio travel blog podcast. Uh, podcast thing. And so, you know, I'm starting to record them now about the, like, the crushing and, uh, you know, emotionally very difficult process of, of packing things up in, in um, you know, in my house where I've lived for three years alone. Will there, will there be more or less uh, pretentious references to 14th century devotional poetry in that podcast or in this podcast? This podcast, for sure. Well, I know which one I'm listening to. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's that's the thing that I wanted to pimp, and I also want to say that if you are a uh, an overthinking it podcast listener and you live near Interstate eighty, uh, I would love to stop at the nearest Starbucks and meet you along the way, and perhaps record a you know two or three minute little chat. Uh, with you to be included on a future episode of the podcast. I would love to meet anyone. And if you have suggestions uh, about where I should go uh, and, you know, things like Carhenge, I learned of Carhenge actually from a listener who wrote in who also told me the best place to go for a steak in Nebraska, which I am extremely, extremely excited about. So, Keep in uh, mind, 
keep in mind, people, this is no huge sacrifice. Matt Rather is going to stop at every single Starbucks on I-80. <laughs> <laughs> I know this man. He's a man who loves Starbucks for a variety of reasons. So he's probably going to be there anyway if, you're, if you happen to be nearby. In fact, like, just go to the Starbucks if you want to meet Matt Rather at some point during this cross-country trip. And he'll, right. he'll probably be there. <laughs> just hang out at the Starbucks. It's like, yeah. it's like Yo-Yo Ma. I had a, I had a, my roommate in college was a, was a classical musician, and we had a joke about Yo-Yo Ma, which is that like he seemed to be everywhere that a cello was being played. It was like there was not another <laughs> cellist in the world besides Yo-Yo Ma. And it's like, wherever there are cellos, Yo-Yo Ma will be there. And I'm like that, but with Starbucks. So he's like Joe Jode Ma? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, so speaking uh, of, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm beginning to actually regret saying this because, you know, <laughs> if you're like crazy stalker people. But, um, <laughs> no, no, do it. It's a good idea. I'm sure that he'll I have won't, nothing I won't, I won't get in your van. You know, you can offer me all the candy you want. I will if not you get it. in your van, Stranger just danger. Coffee. Stranger you danger. Just eat, drank some Starbucks coffee. It's true. Even if he has Starbucks coffee in his hand, if you offer him more, he'll get right, in your yeah. van. With if you leave a, uh, if you leave a little trail of solo shots of espresso along the sidewalk. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, you probably can lure me uh, right into your van. But no, public place, you know, like uh, they, al- they always tell you on, uh, and on internet dating sites, not that I've ever been on one, uh, they always tell you meet in a public place, you know, tell a friend where you're going to be, right, you know. Um, Who goes carry- on a blind date without telling a friend about it? Like that's half the fun. <laughs> oh well. We can do, we can do online dating overthinking it podcast sometime in the future. Oh, I that's a great. That's a that. great topic. Maybe for a slow news week, actually, because like I think that there's a lot to kind of deconstruct in how online dating profiles are put together and whatnot. Oh yes, I could tell you some stories. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh my. Uh, yes. Oh, sorry. Okay. So let's let's get to some uh, real pop culture. Let's let's start with death. Uh, since his tragic death, Michael Jackson has sold 9 million albums, easily putting him on track to be the highest-selling recording artist this year. Your thoughts? You know, it's, it's, it's about time that a guy like that met with some success, because he's been working hard in the music, music business for a long time. <laughs> Hardest working you know, man in like, show business. He's like Nick Drake, you know, when, that, when his song got into that Volkswagen commercial. And all of a sudden he sold more albums than he'd sold in 30 years. Like, you know, you labor in obscurity for your whole life, and then maybe you hope that sometime after your death people will recognize the sacrifices that you made for your art. Right. Really what yeah. You're to do. So. yeah, no, that kid, that kid had gumption. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, who is he beating? Do we know who the top the top albums of the year are so far? Is that something that we can all frantically Google while we stall for time to talk about something else? I would, I would, I would guess off the top of my head, Beyonce, Jonas Brothers, Miley Cyrus, uh, one of uh, Lil Wayne's offerings. Does Lil Wayne even have an album in 2009? Was the Carter 3 2009 or was that 2008? Doesn't Lil Wayne have like two joints about to drop? Really? Did I use that slang right? Um, possibly. Yeah, <laughs> Carter Three. Carter Three was in two thousand nine. Um, the t- oh, but this is as of Touch and Slang albums of two thousand nine. Ah, uh, you know what? Never mind. I'm not <laughs> well, we're person. reading. <laughs> that's that's the kind of compelling audio entertainment we offer. We're reading live right off our Google Anyhow, searches. While, while we all Google that, I'll <laughs> offer commentary of my own. Um, 
I think it. I think it speaks a lot to the generations that that are are drawing it because you know our generation primarily acquires music online, whether through iTunes or Amazon or through means of some sort. Uh, but you know the fact that a guy can sell nine million albums in about three weeks uh, indicates that he's selling them largely to people who uh, who aren't who aren't getting them online, who are who are going into a store and buying them. Or I don't I don't know if the if the the news item I saw included online sales like iTunes or Amazon. But still, even so, even if it does, that's a remarkable number of legal acquisitions uh, in an industry that has been plagued with. Uh, you know, money loss due to the market changing. I, th- I think it's I think it's interesting because I would imagine that it would be primarily people of our generation going out and scooping it up, and it's probably not. Yeah, but don't, I mean, don't you think that the the they've lost everything? But like you know, like Oedipus, you know, tap tap tapping his his miserable way to Colonus or wherever it was that he died his slow boring death. Uh, don't you think that they've learned their their lesson tragically now and now they're like offering mp3 downloads on amazon for really sort of reasonable prices like eight or nine dollars an album or something like that given the given the history of lawsuits or given the lawsuits that are still going on and their their continued lobbying efforts of congress i i'd say if they're learning it's very slowly and and only by brute bloody force well right yeah it's because they've they've lost everything you know you got, you Wait, kinda... so can I jump in? Can I jump in? Are we talking about the decline of album sales and all that stuff? Yes. Okay, so I think one important thing to keep in mind, because I read this the other day and was kind of shocked when I read it. Yeah, rep- record companies are doing really badly, but music publishing companies are having – last year, despite it being one of the worst years economically in the history of the United States, um, was the best year ever for music publishing firms. And Pete, for people who don't understand the difference, distinguish between a record company and a music publishing company. Sure, I will. A record company sells albums. A music publishing company sells the rights to – to playing music and, and and publishes music to other media, um, I believe. And there's probably uh, there's other there's other uh, um, there's other roles that it has, no doubt. But for example, when you hear music in commercials, when you hear music on television shows or in movies, um, a lot of the time it's through a publishing company, not through an album album uh, company. And that the artists are often getting some royalties through the publishing contracts. So they can, they can spin you the album sales numbers and say, oh, woe is me, like the music business doesn't make any money. But, you know, f- you know freaking, you know, Like a Rock, the Toyota song or whatever, you know, like that, that stuff like that is raking it in. It's very much like The Office. Um, you know, The Office is celebrated among television executives as being a tremendously important and innovative program because it was one of the first scripted comedies on television that was able to really nail down product placement in TV shows. And, like, the guy who, you know, handled the product placement for The Office was promoted to be one of the highest-ranking executives at NBC. Um, and it's, it was a real revolution in the way that they treat product placement on, uh, on TV. But um, there are businesses that are growing while the actual sales of the album are shrinking, um, just as bi- bands have never made most of their money from album sales with the exception of, of certain specific acts. Um, they make their money touring. Um, you know, music 
property, the intellectual property of music these days doesn't make its money with records as much as it makes its money through cross promotion, I would say, at least which from a is, growth. I mean, I, and I think that that's why what Pete, you, what you just said is why the, the sentimental appeal of the RAAA to like, well, you're taking money out of the pockets of the artists by, you know, download these, downloading these things off BitTorrent, why that's such a crock because, oh, yeah. you know, the artist isn't making any money really off that off that record i mean a couple pennies per you know per album that you buy on on itunes or something it's the record companies and yeah. they're you know they're middlemen and what the yeah. what the uh, what the internet does is it disintermediates things right it it removes the middlemen and you can go straight from publisher to right it's not like it's not like you are uh, it's not like you're listening to this podcast, you know, through a podcasting company that, you know, lends us the money to make the podcast and then, you know, takes its cut out of every copy, right? Like, you, it goes straight from, from my mouth to your ears. I mean, it wasn't, it's the, in the pre, you know, Napster days, it wasn't that uncommon for artists to lose money on their albums, even successful ones, because they would have to go into Hawk to produce videos. Uh, my friend Brandon always used to tell me about this all, all the time, and I actually used this as the foundation of my Bling Bubble article I wrote a little while ago, which a lot of it, it's funny, but a lot of it is true, that, you know, artists are called upon by the record companies to finance their own music videos to promote their own albums, and then they don't make anywhere close to the lion's share of the money, right, that is that comes out of the promotion they have to make their money touring and stuff like that yeah so. and with merch and with merchandise i mean they, you know there's a lot of income streams you know that a guy like buster rhymes has access to yeah sure uh, well yeah, if guy... you ask if you ask uh, dmx um he ain't got it so you can't get it let's leave it at that because i ain't with it as it were so but that's mr Even, x yeah i don't think you have to be buster rhymes i think that if you're uh you know if you're a um I don't know. If you're a, a band that just plays, I mean, you know, I think we've all known a bunch of guys who have bands. And I know people who have been at it for years and years and years and decades even. And, right, it's, these people aren't even chasing record contracts anymore because they make money selling their the album they produce themselves off the front of the stage. And if you charge $10, you make the whole $10. Uh, if you sell it yourself off the front of the stage, you know, you make $25 on a t-shirt, less mm-hmm. 50 cents or whatever you pay the children of Chinese political prisoners who sew it with their teeth. Uh, right, that you you um, you make that you make that full amount, and then you make whatever you know you whatever your deal is at the club, whether it's a cut of the door, whether it's a flat fee or something, uh, you know something like that. And there are people building a whole, and that you can essentially you can give the the album away for free on the internet, and you'll probably end up making more money. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really ironic because this introduction of this information saturation age has this backswing to it, where more now more than ever, it's really important to be doing foot on the ground business. You know, you you have these company companies doing business overseas or doing it with affiliates in the native language with native people. You know, you're not seeing as much import export stuff for all, in the growth of these kinds of businesses. Um, a lot of the import and exporting is happening between businesses that are living locally, right? And that's in the broader economy, but it's the same in music. I mean, we've, we've We've talked a lot on this podcast about Tyler Perry, great example of that. Um, I mean, and if you're out there in overthinking it land and you're thinking of making it big in whatever creative endeavor you want to do, like my encouragement to you is find a way to produce yourself and don't wait for some sort of gravy train to come in because that gravy train's getting shorter and shorter and the people fighting for it are getting fiercer and fiercer. So, and, and there's money to be made out there just doing it for yourself. I was thinking, so, I mean, I was thinking about this. Obviously, I'm going for, I'm going to, uh, to grad school in the fall for crafting. 
uh, right? And you know, I'm not it's- sure that's going to catch on, Matt. <laughs> I don't think that term because it's not obvious what it means <laughs> uh, for acting. I'm getting yeah, a master of fine arts degree in. Acting for- and it's called cracking because you're going to be poor in Los Angeles and you're going to be doing a lot of crack. Is yes. that what it's called? Okay. I think so. Or being like uh, crack tour, it sounds like crack horror. I don't know. Or I is guess- it more like ever crack, where it's something that you do it because it's an obsessive addiction, not because it provides a, a tangible benefit to your life? <laughs> and that's like EverQuest, ever crack. Okay, so uh, maybe it's not funny, but my point about jokes. My point about I jokes know. is that you have to throw a lot of darts and only a few of them will, will ever hit anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean it, people people might think you're you're moving out west to act as opposed to to sell crack cocaine. I mean, if you call it a crack tour, <laughs> uh, yeah. right? You're going to be the Billy Mays of the of the of the rock, as it were. <laughs> you're be Nino Brown meets Sham Wow guy. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Um, so right, so I've been thinking about this a lot because hey, Show you know, me the receipts. Show <laughs> me the receipts. Sorry. Uh, so if, who who else uh, who else died this uh, week? I, I, I wanted to finish my point, but Sorry, you're right. It's not, 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 it's not very interesting. Uh, I'm being a dick. I've been thinking I've been thinking about this a lot because it's a terrible business under under the best of circumstances, and it's an even a more terrible business. And why would I want to go into it at all? Well, if I could hold down a straight job, I would. Let me, let me put it that way. Uh, but. I think that the the result of this technology is that there are going to be more people making a living, uh, but few people making a killing from the arts, right? Fewer even than there are now, and there aren't there aren't that many. The, there aren't that many. That it will be possible to make a decent middle class living from, you know, making your art and and putting it online and doing tours or films or what you know whatever it is you do. Um, but it's not going to be like, you know, it's not going to be like, I don't know, Crystal and, uh, you know, dollar uh, dollar bills. Y'all. That's, that stuff's all financed by debt anyway. <laughs> like, you can still go up and hawk in your credit card. You can still be the big timers and be bird man and, like, uh, be still fly, you know, with your four, quarter tank of gas and your new E-class, um, you know, and, and everything in your mama name if you want. But, uh there's nothing intrinsically good about living large, right? No, I, I mean, I don't think so. I, Am I the only big timers fan on the podcast? Oh, no. That's like, I feel, yeah. I've never felt so lonely in the whole world. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cry to myself for a moment and let other people talk. Okay, who else died? John's, John's right. We should move on instead of talking about me. We've done that enough tonight. Oh, is the celebrity spree killer still on the loose? And he's just murdering celebrities left and right? Well, who's, he, yeah, I mean, oh, so I... I don't know if there's a rule of three that is open at the moment uh, with Cronkite and Frank McCourt. Frank McCourt is the, is the next one I want to talk about. I read Angela's Ashes. I really liked it. I thought the movie was meh, okay. Uh, I mean, you know, well acted, but but the book had incredible texture, and his second book was good also. Anyone, that, anyone else be, read? Would that be like uh, Barbara's Bark? I'm thinking of he's like this whole series of alliterative titles that he produced. <laughs> uh, the first the first book was called Angela's Ashes. The second one was called Tiz, uh, and that word Tiz was the uh, was the last word of the first book. Uh, and the question was, you know, he was seeing America from the boat, and it was like, oh, isn't it a fine country altogether? And he looks up at whoever asked him, and he says, Tiz. And, uh, you know, that was the name of the second <laughs> book. He had a, a third book about teaching in the public schools called Teacher Man. 
Uh, and I read them all, and I, I, you know, I enjoyed it. I'm a, I'm a sucker for a good raconteur, and he was definitely that. So wait, does it say, like, isn't it a great country all around? He looked up and he said, tis, dot, 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 or GTFO. Uh, uh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, okay, hopefully nobody in the podcast will get that joke. Nobody in the audience will get that joke because it will lower your esteem of me if you do. <laughs> so I'm just going to brush the W-O-W off the back windshield of my dirty pickup truck <laughs> and go back to podcasting as normal. So, And Matthew, was, was the last line of Angel's Ashes tis or was it actually... Uh, Frank McCourt will return in Tiz. (laughs) (laughs) Tiz, in a time, in a time Uh, of Irish immigration, in a place where there are a lot of immigrants, (laughs) only one man can speak the contraction. I don't know. I don't know if that's going to catch on, Matt. <laughs> yeah, can, I hate to be can, the naysayer. Can you, can you shorten that contraction a little? Can you contract possibly? Uh, I I don't understand. Okay. So so speaking of people more eloquent than us, Walter Cronkite yes. uh, also unfortunately And passed. so is is Cronkite McCourt and then there's a third one that we're we're waiting for? Um, so, uh, so it, I am not advocating and, and secretly hoping for the death of any more celebrities. If that answers your question, so no, no, I'm not. I'm not hoping for. I'm not hoping for it. But it's a it's a universal law. You know, we can't. Uh, you, you know, we you, you you may as well you may as well order back the tides. I'm going to call shenanigans on this universal law. Sorry. No, I, I know what it's like. I'm always. <laughs> You go ahead, you go ahead, you go ahead, I've been talking too much, you go ahead, I've been a bad, bad monkey, so you well, go forward and you talk about your theory, well, and I'm going to sit well, down and cry. Hey, <laughs> okay, thank you. I, I, I hey, hesitated. have I told you about my podcast? <laughs> I hesitated only because I'm always the guy who's the, who's the naysayer for whatever the other three people on the podcast agree on, whether it's the talent of Lil Wayne, or the quality of Joss Whedon, or something like that, but I... I have always been leery of giving credence to the you know people always dying in threes law, and the only reason I'm I'm not as more of a dick about it is because I think people deep down know it's not really true. Like they, if they give it enough thought, they realize well on a long enough timeline you can group any two, any three events in a group of three if you if you don't have a set timeline. Like it doesn't have to be three people dying in a week or in a month or even in two months. It's just three people within recent memory, which. Which bothers me only because it's kind of arbitrary. Like, why three? Why not five? Why not two? You know, etc. Mm. Yeah, but the, it, it has to do with the narrative grouping of things in threes, which is, you know, something that, that happens in stories, and it happens because it works. Yes, but you can just as easily narratively group things in twos or fours. Well, you can't, you can't just as easily narratively because it takes – because, what, you know, what stories are about are – at some abstract level are about a pattern that gets broken. And so it takes two to set the pattern and one to break it. Right. Like the, you know, the first, uh, the first, the first pig built his house out of straw. The second pig built his house out of sticks, but the third pig, he built his house out of brick. And like, that's, you know, and then suddenly you have a structure. That makes sense. But I can think of just as many narrative structures that, that only hinge on two, like the, like the dyad or the dialogue or hinge on four, like, you know, the quatrain. You know, you, you, if, if, a narrative structure. 
Yeah, I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about like the plot of his story. Poems are, poems are made of it. Poems are made of quatrains. Like, yeah, quatrain isn't a narrative structure. It's a prosody structure. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it's, a, it's a prosodic structure, right? And it has to do with the configuration of the words, not of the events or the thoughts, right? Right. That's, I mean, right, that this is that dichotomy in poetry between scheme and trope. That is to say, there's, there's a content and then there's, a, uh, there's an organization. Well, okay, if we're, if we're drawing the distinction between narrative and format, then what, is, then what is the story being told? Like, no one ever looks for a story in three people dying. Like, the fact that, you know, Michael Jackson, Carl Malden, and Billy Mays, for instance, if they're, if they're the three, like, what is, what is the story told by that as opposed to Billy Mays, Carl Malden, and uh, Frank McCourt, if they're, if they're that three? Like, no one ever sits down and says, oh, okay, I guess this means X. I no love one, this. No one, no one ever... No one ever <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no, I th- I I would I would uh, I mean not to be too argumentative, but I think that's exactly what we do. I mean, I think we look back in hindsight at a series of random events and try and try and connect the dots in a way. I've perhaps perhaps we do because we're overthinkers but i have never seen anyone else do that the the sole extent of the content is always oh you know rule of threes i guess someone else has to die soon or oh okay rule of threes i guess people are done dying now we can go back to ignoring the news (laughs) go about go about your business people i'll I'll give you i'll I'll give you my favorite example my favorite example and i bring this up a lot was an an, a graphic by the onion it was a very simple caption graphic from the onion from my favorite celebrity death trifecta and um it was this my favorite celebrity death trifecta was um yasser arafat ronald reagan and the odb all died. <laughs> and if that doesn't speak to a narrative, I don't know what does. And, and the caption for the picture was um, uh, "Old bastard," and that's that's Ronald Reagan. Uh, "Dirty bastard," and that was Yasser Arafat. <laughs> and then the ODB was "Old dirty bastard." <laughs> Thesis, antithesis, synthesis. Exactly. It was Hegelian in its. <laughs> So well, I don't, right. I don't think that was like a, a story that had a beginning, a middle, and an end. <laughs> so okay, I, I, I think the I think the onion I think the onion in this case would be the the exception that uh, exception that validates the rule as they often are when they're good, being that you know so few people do this in common parlance. And if we want to start doing that more, if we want to make it like oh, this is the celebrity death trifecta, what does it mean? Like Ooh, you know, what is the meaning? do that would be fun to like be like this is what it means for all of us that these people have died in close proximity to one another and to be fair pete you did you did a pretty good you know celebrity death dyad with uh with farrah fawcett actually no you did a good celebrity death trifecta with michael jackson farrah fawcett and uh dave carradine yeah, like I mean, you, it was really, it really wasn't a celebrity death trifecta because of the timing of it, but I, I sort of felt like I needed to force it to be a trifecta just yeah, to make the, it work. The trifecta really was was uh, Farrah Fawcett, Michael Jackson, and Billy Mays. See, I don't, I don't get why the why Pete, why you would object to the timing there because I think that I think the day, the day Michael Jackson died, you know, which was a couple days before Billy Mays died, people were calling that a three already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this was I wrote the article before Billy Mays died. Right. So, uh, or at least before I knew about the Billy Mays dying. Right. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely felt like there was a natural trifecta to stretch for there, um, because it was people who had sort of ignominious, like people who had been these sort of you know constructed stars and had these ignominious deaths. Um, although uh-huh. for Farrah Fawcett, it was much more like the pain and the and the hardship of her particularly um, you know unpleasant passing, right. and as well as some me- minor media problems she'd had 
a little bit later in life. But so that so that is my challenge to the overthinking uh, podcast listeners. If you wanna if you wanna talk about celebrity death trifectas, uh, tie them together in a story in some way. Validate and say this is you know a, a a triad worth commenting on because they all X or none of them X or what have you. Yeah, and put that in comments or emails or voicemail and and prove me wrong because. I can I can always stand to be proven wrong about things I say on a podcast. Okay, so let's 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 take tackle Cronkite for a second because he's uh you know, he was this major figure back when the news had some authority, he was trusted in journalism, you know, that's the way it is. Um <laughs> uh, right, like, uh, and and we've lost all that now. So, is there? I mean, just considering him in isolation, is there anything to say about the meaning of his uh, of his passing? Uh, I I will say that uh, sorry, sorry, Mark, other than go. other than, and that's the way it is. Bob, Bob, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that Keith Olbermann has been trying pretty hard for a while to sort of be the next Walter Cronkite, and I I really hope he doesn't turn out to be. No, no, it's not. It's not a question of him turning out to be or not. He just, he just can't. He are, you know, he already can't. Like Walter Cronkite never. Oh, I don't know. He, you know, I know. I supp- I'm supposed to like liberals because I'm a, you know, effete latte swilling, Volvo driving. You, you are know, moving to California, East Coast intellectual. Uh, but, to be um, a West Coast intellectual or well, West Coast unemployed actor. <laughs> no, I'll be, a, I'll, be a, I'll be in school for three years, so I won't oh. be unemployed for three years. You'll just be going further into debt. Yeah. I and mean, then you'll be a successful actor and you'll, you'll be doing good work and I don't want to discourage you. So. Yay! Yay! Be, be doing good work in airline safety videos, inserting my metal fitting into the don't buckle. Don't knock it. <laughs> when I worked at Applebee's, we had training videos that featured Ted from Hey Dude and he was awesome. He, <laughs> he taught me how to use sizzle words, like to not just offer someone buffalo wings, but to offer them zesty buffalo wings. That way they want to buy them more. Thanks, Ted from Hey Dude. You did, did, you did, good. did he identify himself as Ted from Hey Dude? No, I identified him against his will. I, I don't doubt. <laughs> no, and, and it's funny because the training videos that are actually really important don't feature like stars of Nickelodeon afternoon programming. They feature people who actually know what they're talking about, such as like don't mix the bleach with the, the ammonia. And, like <laughs> this is how you operate the high intensity washing machine. Those were all done by technicians and not by yeah, humorless, humorless engineers. But Matt, this isn't about your acting career. Uh, this is about how terrible Keith Olbermann is at his job. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Right. That's exactly that's exactly what it is. Uh, I mean, talk about pretentious. You know, I joke about being pretentious, but that guy walks the talk. Yeah, I think I think Cronkite is is more of not just a broadcaster, but a human being than Keith Olbermann will ever be, because uh, he he was able to convey that same sort of gravitas without resorting to, you know, losing his temper on the air and that sort of O'Reilly esque, you know, screaming hyperbole. Right. There's this, there's this idea now that, we all, that every television uh, figure needs to be a personality, you know? Right. And we, um, and we uh, you know, and that, that sense of just, like, steadiness, of Cronkite's steadiness is just lost. Yeah, he, Except for Carson Daly, right? Carson Daly doesn't need to be a personality, right? Ryan Seacrest, either. Ryan Seacrest. He's, is he the better person to make that joke about? Probably. Yeah, Carson Daly, so. that's a dated reference, isn't it? Nobody wow. Watches. Seacrest out. <laughs> <laughs> in, 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 house. 
Sorry. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Let me put a different take on this. And I would say that right, you know, at least recently, the trend has been more towards you know pretty faces above other things. You know, the more telegenic, uh, you know, going for a more telegenic face for newscasting, right? And you know, clearly Walter Cronkite was wasn't being hired because he was the handsomest man um, uh, to, to to show on CBS. So don't get News. us wrong; he was a damn fine looking American man. Well, Walter oh. Cronkite also did the radio, and he was hired because he had an awesome voice. Right. He did have an awesome voice. He also did like every voiceover at Disneyland uh, and Disney World for a period of decades after he had retired from the news. Wow, that's awesome. So, in in, in other words, right? Um, well, what what is it that we look for in 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 our in our new ca- newscasters these days? Right? If you think about the who do we have at the top now? Brian Williams, Katie Couric. Uh, who, who am I leaving out here? Who's who's the C, who's uh who's the ABC person now? Was it Peter Jennings? Is he still kicking around? Oh, Peter Jennings has been gone for a long time. In fact, he, I, I think he actually died. I have to confess, I don't watch TV news. I Wait, can't no, tolerate Peter it. Jennings didn't die. Did Peter Jennings die? I think he did. Wikipedia oh, will man. know. Yeah. Peter Jennings yes, died on August died. 7th, 2005. You're right. Okay. The sorry. killer strikes again. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, let me get back to... So, so, rule well, of three. Just, just take, Actually, yeah, rule of five. <laughs> rule of five, because he, Peter Charles Archibald Ewart Jennings. CM. What does CM stand for? Oh, Order of Canada. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Wow. Continue. <laughs> okay, so what do we look for in our news in our news anchors these days? I think certainly we, we put the networks put forward pretty faces intentionally, right? Ryan Williams, you know, being a, a chiseled, handsome man, and Katie Couric being, um, you know, Katie Couric, nice to look at. Um, they're they, you know they're put them out there, but certainly they strive, right, for some sort of Cronkite esque level of authority, or you know, I don't know who to point to as an example of excellent investigative journalism, but. You know, being being able to you know, you know, um, speak truth to power as well. I, I would um, say I would say Anderson Cooper is sort of angling for that title. I don't know if he successfully pulls it off, but that's that's the first name I think of as you know the investigative journalist who tries to put a, a serious face on on more in depth stories rather than just a gloss of news coverage. And yeah, he does all right. There's a really great um, new movie that just came out that really tackles how current this issue is. It's called Network, and it stars Faye Dunaway <laughs> and Robert Duvall and William Holden. Uh, it's all about how the news used to be about something, but now it's all about like ratings and pretty faces, and it's really superficial. And, and Charles, no, Gibson. Charles Gibson. Charles by Gibson, by the way. Yeah. There yeah, you yeah. go. No, oh, no, no. Pete, Pete, that's, Pete that's, that's a good try, but you can tell that movie's dated because they're all concerned about terrorists. So that just really dates it. It really puts it in a particular period in time. I, I will say to the listeners and to the people on the podcast, if you have not seen Network, see Network. Network is awesome. I love Network. I can't recommend it more than I, than I am recommended it right now. Um, yeah, all, has anybody my, else in this podcast seen it? Yeah, all my overthinking articles have secret codes that only people who know Network will understand. So, so watch <laughs> Network. And then and then go back and, and read all my all my old articles and be like, Oh, that's a Howard Beale reference. Oh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And you never struck me as mad as hell and not taking it anymore, John. You always seem to be a bit more of an even keel. 
So I want you to get up out of your chair right now and go to your window. <laughs> oh my God, Jamie Heineman can do such great impressions. <laughs> uh, are we done with Cronkite? Well, I think Cronkite, Cronkite is done with us. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all agree on oh, that. Well, I, I, now, and that's now the I, I, way someone, it is. I want someone to do like a, a really bad like velvet painting of uh, you know Walter Cronkite asc- ascending to to heaven on a rainbow on the back of a unicorn, and like Peter Jennings and Billy Mays being there beckoning him in. <laughs> <laughs> That would be amazing. If anybody in the podcast listenership has the ability to paint on velvet, <laughs> make yes, two I'm, of them, sell one on eBay, cover your costs, and then some. And then we're going to put the other one up in our lavish, lavish uh, 19th century uh, overthinking it office right. with the leather couches. And the well, credenza in, our, in our overthinking it apartment, which is on the yeah. fourth floor of the Kelly house in... <laughs> In New Haven, oh, oh. Connecticut. Sorry, that's yeah. that's that joke was too in even for this podcast. Um, Emmy nominations. Let's close with this. So uh, I could read out the whole list if you wanted. You did Is that. We did that. We did the Oscars. Remember how exciting that was? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. That uh, though, weren't we making guesses in every category? I guess we won't ever do that again. Ever. Well, no, no, no. I think well, you weren't even on that one, were you, Matt? I think it was just me, Mark, and Jordan, right? That's or were correct. you on? Yeah. That one? yeah, yeah, yeah. And we just we basically we just went through it too slow. I mean, there's there are lessons to learn from that that we'll we'll apply next time. But we we can go through the the big hits. I want Let's to talk about I want to talk about guest the category guest actress in a drama series, and uh, and how three of the five nominations are for Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Now, a hey, if that show is still kicking, I think it's just. Super. Someone has to be telling stories about the epidemic of raping cheerleaders that's going on in the world. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, is it that much better than other dramas that its guest stars shine brighter? Or is it just so that, you know, Ellen Burstyn and Carol Burnett and, you know, et cetera, can, can, get, their, uh, can get their Emmys? Hold on a second. Let me just take this moment to comment on how ridiculous it is that there are guest actor and actress categories to begin with. Because it's such a gimmick when they have a guest actor uh, show up in a show anyway, right? I mean, that doesn't... I, I don't see why this is particularly worthy of awarding in the world of television. Does anybody disagree? No, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you entirely. I mean, especially, especially given the, you know, the, the economics of television as they evolve. Like, what is, what is the distinction between a... I, I guess a guest actor is allowed to... to act out a little more, whereas the series actors are supposed to be a little more steady and a little more on a, on a character arc, I guess. I, I, see, I can't even justify it. it. It's weird. They should definitely do Oscars for best one-scene cameo in a movie. <laughs> like, it goes to Charlton Heston for Wayne's World. Excellent. Yeah, he, no, I'm, I'm right there with you, Mark. That makes a lot of sense. I, I'm, 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 I was so kind of surprise of this because I just discovered that this category existed just now and looking at this list. Um, okay. Me not being one who tunes into the Emmys every year. Um, to, you know, I'm just not as big of a TV person as probably other folks in this podcast. Um, so you guys, you should probably just, you know, start having at it. The two, two interesting ones to take note of. First, uh, best comedy series, Family Guy takes a nomination which is which is interesting primarily because The Simpsons, which has 24 Emmys in its own right, has always been nominated for Best Animated Comedy Series, 
and for my money, is, is still funnier than Family Guy, but that's neither here nor there. Whereas Family Guy this year takes the Best Comedy Series nomination. That's Why do you think that distinction was drawn? Well, is there no comedy animated category anymore? Oh, we, um, no, I, I think there is. Let me, let, me, let me look up on the PDF. <laughs> let, me come on, uh, let me come on Family Guy for a second. Yes, one, no, there's, one... there's Outstanding Animated Program for Programming Less Than One Hour, and The Simpsons is nominated for that. As is South Park, American Dad, Robot Chicken. But Family Guy is apparently best comedy series. Let me comment briefly on Family Guy, though. And that, um, I used to be a big fan of the show um, until it you know, arose from the dead and, at least from my point of view, declined precipitously in, in quality. Um, and I just caught a few episodes recently after, you know, like, I haven't watched Family Guy in a while. I'm on Hulu. And let me check out an episode of Family Guy. Let me give it a shot. And uh, I was... I was not happy. I was, you know, it really did not redeem itself in any way. Were the, were the manatees really phoning it in that week? Oh, big time. <laughs> it, it, was, it was, in fact, actually the Star Trek. I don't know if I've commented this on this podcast before. It was the one where they got the entire cast of Star Trek The Next Generation on. Um, where it was, it had kind of all the worst parts of a Family Guy episode. There were two, you know, there was an A plot and a B plot, which never converged. Um there was the uh, you know random cutaways um, with jokes that didn't refer back to the series to to the main plot, and then um, all almost all of the jokes with involving all the guest stars from the Star Trek: The Next Generation were just complete random uh, one-liners that were you know like pretty much like the joke was I have to go to the bathroom ha 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 Lavar Burton said I have to go to the bathroom how funny is that yeah. yeehaw his name is Toby Mark. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they had the balls to make a joke like that. Oh, I'm that's, sorry. Yeah, that's offensive on a lot of levels. But no, I'm sure they would make a they would make a joke like that, right? Uh, maybe they probably that's the thing. would. Like they 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 run charging to the edge of the cliff of good taste, and you know, take a header over into the vast abyss of offensiveness. I will say that, that in my improv shows, I haven't made a point to make a lot of Roots references because I feel like it's something that people should watch and should be part of the popular culture. But I'll step away from that and save that for our, our, po- our podcast on uh, online dating just to make things a little awkward. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about Roots for like 20 minutes of that, and it'll make people really feel a little bit out of place. Okay. Let me wrap up my Family Guy rant here. And does, anybody not, does anybody not remember this? When the, you know, the original iteration of Family Guy before it was canceled was a vastly different show than what it is now. Yeah, I no, haven't I, even I, watched it. not my imagination, yeah. right? No, you're, you're correct. I remember that entirely and was, was, much more, was much more thrilled with Family Guy pre-cancellation. I, I think, actually, no, I think once one season or maybe half a season into its resurrection, I was still a fan. And then I just lost interest because I was no longer compelled to turn it on. Ever since the resurrection of Family Guy, it's been basically a treadmill show for me, which puts it about right up there with Deal or No Deal. Like, I'll watch it if I'm on the treadmill, but if I'm not on the treadmill, I'm not going to watch it. So it also puts it up there with, like, dance music videos from random British pop bands. I thought you were talking about, I thought you were talking about treadmill as though the treadmill had something to do with the show itself. But no, if you, if you are on the treadmill... If you are physically on a treadmill and you are trying to find something to distract yourself from the building lactic, lactic acid in your quadriceps, Family Guy will serve. Wait, can't you, can't you uh, get rid of the lactic acid by just breathing regularly? I'm yes, but you know I'm not working out so hard that I'm building up lactic acid. I, that was a sloppy anatomical reference. Well, I suppose I, I mean if you were to like run for five minutes while also holding your breath, you might build up lactic acid in your muscles. 
Well, I mean, you're, you're going to regardless because it's a product of fatigue. I mean, even if you, 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 lose, you lose some circulation from, well, not circulation, sorry, that, Okay, I'm the, now making up science. The hell with this. The hell with this. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this. Uh, this Let's I want talk more about, about the, ana- the anatomy of running. I want to keep ranting about Family Guy because Family Guy is a treadmill show in that it is running in place. It's not going anywhere. See, Mark, I'm that? helping you because I'm creating a bunch of random cutaways that don't add to what you're trying to talk about. <laughs> This is less this is less funny than the time I went on for half an hour about acting school. <laughs> uh, but uh, to to talk about Matt you made a point earlier about how uh family guy is always willing to go right up to the to the edge of offensiveness and and jump right yes, over into but it, Yes, but it's always a sort of very I hate to do the highbrow lowbrow distinction, but it's a very lowbrow sort of offensiveness you know take as example the episode where they all chug a bottle of ipecac for some reason and then spend the next 45 seconds throwing up in in absolute misery versus say versus say south park where you know they did like the the trapped in the closet scientology episode or yeah or where or the one where like aids is funny because it's been 20 years right which is which is also tremendously offensive, but on a much more cerebral level. Like it's it's appealing to it's appealing to different dissimilar concepts that are sort of in the taboo realm, and then dragging them out through some through some analog, as opposed to just finding something that's scatological or disgusting and flinging it out apropos of uh, apropos of any context. I guess so. I yeah. I mean, I think that the. I don't know. I, I mean, I actually like. For me, the throwing up jokes is probably one of the more successful jokes on Family Guy. And there's another one where Peter tries to throw a dead frog out the window, uh, use it without touching it, using right. just the lid of a box. And I actually I posted that to Overthinking It back in the early days of the site before we'd really found our voice, and we were like, "Hey, here are some interesting videos on the internet." And to me, that was just like that was just a perfect little bit of physical comedy there. And it's about, and it you know, like most comedy, it's about how we're afraid to die. But um, <laughs> you know, but I think that that there's more to it than that. I mean, they they really kind of push the envelope. And I shouldn't say push the envelope like they're George Carlin or something like that. Like they're striking a blow for for free speech everywhere. It is kind of it is kind of frivolous, and maybe that's the most offensive thing of you know thing of all that like these these this free speech thing is a freedom that you know people have fought and died for, and like you know here you go using it to make fun of gay people or something like that. Like that's but they do like really push push the envelope as far as like racial stereotypes and and uh you know sexual orientation stuff and and this kind of stuff you know what? Uh, i'm gonna come out and say that that doesn't matter you know is family guy a good show a clever show or not you know that's what i'm interested in i don't care anymore about whether or not it's shocking like I, i'm past that Maybe I'm the only one. You know, maybe other people, they still get offended by this sort of stuff or they still think that it's important whether or not it pushes the envelope. But, I mean, we've been pushing the envelope for so long now. You know, this envelope, this is one really worn out huge envelope, you know. Like, I'm packing multiple resumes. Like, I'm putting headshots in that envelope. I can fit ball bearings in it. Like, what, you know. (laughs) 
I'm not saying there's no envelope anymore and there's nothing that's shocking, but like at some point people we, we, we should we should the things should answer for what they are independently of whether or not at any given time we're turned off by the links that they'll go into our own taboos. Right? I'm 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 with you. I mean shock will shock will only carry you so far. Mm. I mean, and if it's it, funny, then that's great. And if it isn't, then it, then I don't care. I don't care if it pushes the envelope if it isn't funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Exactly. It's like, I saw Bruno. I thought Bruno was effing hilarious. I thought Bruno was wonderful. You know? And yeah, I have to hold out. Yeah, it's really, it's shocking. It's going to be offensive to a lot of people. And if you have any sort of thin stomach for it, don't go see it. I'm not saying that that's irrelevant. That's a valid feeling. It's your entertainment. Go and have a good time. Don't go do, see something that's going to make you have a bad Saturday evening. Um, but if you ceteris paribus that for a bit, if you set all things equal and you sort of start judging the thing for, for what it is from that perspective, um, you can talk about what is it about that's funny independently of that it has lots and lots of wang in it. Well, I'm sorry, Mark. That's a little racist. I should say penis. But, um, <laughs> I am offended. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so the other, the other interesting thing, I, I said two things. The other thing interesting I had to comment on was the nomination for Outstanding Miniseries, so Best Miniseries, uh, a category that has two nominees, Generation Kill on HBO by the producers of The Wire, and a show that's not Generation Kill. Uh, seriously, it's called Little Dorrit. It was done by PBS, and I have no idea what it is or what it's about. I've it's never a, heard of it. It's an adaptation of Dickens. Fair enough. Uh, i I'd never heard of it, and it's not going to win because you know it's up against a show that people have heard of. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I, sure. I mean, I thought Generation Kill was great, and it made me read the book, and the book was fantastic. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it, was, it was a really well-done series. Have, have we talked about on the podcast that predate my joining? No, not, re- not really. Okay. Um, now, wait, are these, the, are these the Emmys for what year? When is the period that this is judging? The, it's, it's for the past... The past television, television season. Not the, not the one... Is it for the one that has just ended? It must be. Yeah. We're, so what we're is in the, the starting and ending date for this? So like September or maybe... I, I don't know. When is, the, when is the show? Maybe it's like June 2007... Th- or sorry, June 2008 through June 2009, essentially. So John Adams wouldn't qualify? That would have been a last year show? I think it was, yeah. Okay, okay, cool. And in fact, I awesome. think it... I think it actually was nominated last year to to some degree of uh, to some degree of acclaim. Either, what yes. are the other miniseries that should be nominated? Are, were there other big miniseries events this year? I can't uh, think of any. Neither can I. Which is well, it's it's because television has television series have settled into this thirteen episode per season kind of miniseries gray area where it's no longer you know it's no longer you have your series which produce. Uh, 24 episodes a year and then a mini series which might you know might produce six two-hour episodes you now have uh you know you now have mad men and burn notice and the sopranos and the wire uh and the shield shield shafted by the emmys by the way oh yeah absolutely brilliant last season totally nothing no we were talking before we started recording the podcast nothing for walton goggins either and i think that these these things have stepped into the role of 
uh, of what miniseries used to be, right? So that you go straight up now from movie of the week to 13-episode series to 24-episode series. And even with, if you think about Battlestar Galactica, you have half seasons now, which in another generation would have been miniseries, right? Because that's only like, six, what, six or seven episodes? Yeah, but that was, the half season was because of the writer's strike, wasn't it? Well, no, they had one, they had one half season prior to the writer's strike for, huh. I guess, I would imagine budgetary reasons because the sci-fi channel has never exactly had a lot of money to throw around. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, they, and they did, I mean, and you know, in typical great fashion, they did take their most successful show and put it in the Friday night slot of death. I think we've just, <laughs> we've discussed that before. Yeah, I think. That before yeah. yeah. But, um, you know what burn notice too, actually has done like, they'll do 13 apps over the summer and then come back for six in the winter or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, yeah. Oh, I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Hey, the more burn notice, the better. Absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, for a miniseries, apparently only two worth even considering. And uh, obviously my, my pitch would be for, for Generation Kill. Uh, phenomenal, not, not, because it was, not because it took one stance or the other on the Iraq war, because it's, well, you know, at, to avoid being political for, for the sake of the, of the podcast, uh, it's, it's not hard to make a war movie or war television series that is either overtly patriotic or overtly critical. Those aren't, that's not a hard lever to pull in either direction. But what's tricky is, is producing one that's, that's true enough that people on either side of the debate could find something to like in it. The only other example I can think of that really pulls it off is the movie Patton, uh, George, C., uh, George C. Scott and Patton, because uh, if you think about when it was made in the 70s, it, it depicts him as both this sort of larger-than-life jackass who, who was kind of cruel to the men under his command, and also this larger-than-life hero who you know dreamt of doing amazing things and was a patriot and was a, a, a genius strategist in his own right. And I think, to get back on track, Generation Kill straddles a similar balance because it, it plays up the heroism of the, the uh, recon marines and you know their capability under fire makes them human and also makes clear the sort of cluster bomb in which they operated. Mm. Right, yeah. Well, it's, I mean, I think it does that. I think it threads that needle, John, by like staying very close to their experience and not, mm. not trying to pull back and take the 50,000-foot view and make a larger point about that particular war about society in general, uh, but just by staying like, these are the guys and this is what they went through. Right. And I think it helps that, I mean, I think it helps that it's based on a book-length work of reportage, uh, you know, by a guy named Evan Wright, who was a Rolling Stone journalist embedded with these reconnaissance Marines. And uh, so the people in Generation Kill are real, are real people, are, you yes. know, are like people that he, he met along his way. And like, as, as someone who loved both, I can't recommend highly enough either the, uh, either the miniseries, it's 12 hours, I think, six two-hour episodes, or maybe 14 hours. No, uh, it's, it's, just, it's just six hours, just six one-hour episodes. It's one-hour episodes? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Six one-hour episodes, and uh, or the the uh, book, which is now released in paperback with a big glossy picture of the HBO cast on the uh, on the cover. the cover. Yeah, both of both of them. So um, yeah, so it's yeah. it's fantastic. Yes, no. So between Generation Kill and not Generation Kill, I uh, hey, did the Wire win Emmy awards? Was it? I know it was it was critically loved, but was it decorated by the by the Academy, the Television Academy? 
I I don't believe so. Wikipedia is about t- to tell me. Uh, I th- I think it had a lot of actually. Well, here we go. Awards. Uh, uh, nominated for two Primetime Emmy Awards, fifteen double N- uh, NAACP Image Awards, two Edgar Awards, three Writers Guild of America Awards, and one Directors Guild of America Award, and a Peabody. And of those, it only won the Peabody, one Edgar, and one WGA Award. It didn't win any of those uh, awards. What are the 15 awards that it was nominated for? The NAACP Image Awards? No, it did not. Man. And the Emmy Awards are for writing, by the way. Um, They're not – so they're – you know, which is which, not to diminish it. <laughs> Wait, the, not to diminish the em- them. The Emmy Awards are for oh, the oh, two the two Emmy the nominations. Two nominations. They got two Emmy nominations for writing, like three years apart from one. Yeah, another. but it is a fantastic thing. But yeah, no, so, for sure, it should have been nominated for for best drama series and should have won at least at least one of those years. Like mm-hmm. maybe maybe season four. I think season four was a pretty good or season three. Uh, you know, Hamps- uh What's it called? Hamsterdam, right? I mean, we don't yeah. need to give too any too much stuff away, but that no, that season, season isn't that season. You know, it's season three. You're right. You're right. You're yeah, right. Yeah. Season three and four are sort of a macro season. I feel they kind of fit together into one larger narrative, uh, different from the way that the other seasons do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one, yeah, because one is one story, two is another story that's related but different. Three and four kind of go together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and five is five is a story. Five kind of got off. I, you know, we should do a separate. We should do supplements to the podcast yeah. for the wire because I, you know, the we, people, we could fill an hour on that. Well, yeah. we could fill an hour probably on each episode. We should record <laughs> an alternative audio commentary to the wire, <laughs> right? Because we could. Oh, people would love that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there are guys. The Mystery Science Theater three thousand guys have a site called Riff Tracks now that occasionally pops up in the Google ads on on overthinking it. Uh-huh. Uh, and they they were they do this and actually it's it's something I've been thinking of. Are you interested? Are you the listeners interested in hearing us do a Mystery Science Theater three thousand or podcast style overthinking podcast style uh, alternative audio commentary to some of our favorite movies? Of course, for us it would probably be like be like Tron. Or <laughs> one of the one of the Pokemon movies, or Terminator, <laughs> two. Or Terminator Two. We could do a killer audio commentary on Terminator Two. Uh, you, you should you should probably pick a movie that doesn't have like a lot of memorable dialogue that people would want to hear anyway. Because once we got going, we just would not shut up for the entire you know hour forty five to right. Hours. Yeah, and it's like the danger in doing something like that is you know what you do an audio commentary for the Big Lebowski, right? Like, and oh oh oh, here's the part where he's about to say we're nihilists, we believe in nothing. Okay, hold on. Oh, he said it. <laughs> and that would be the that would be the extent of the commentary. That's why you don't have narrative arcs that only have two items in them. <laughs> <laughs> Bam, that's what we in the business call a callback. Well, if you want to call us back, you can oh! do it at twenty eight log zero one. That's two zero three two eight five six four zero one. Email us at podcast at overthinking it dot com or use the comment uh, the contact form on the site or leave a comment on the show notes and as always we hope you will visit us on the web at www visit us on the web as opposed to what in real life as opposed to on my trek across the united states on interstate 80 through cleveland and omaha and into nebraska and then you know Omaha's I, in nebraska Matt. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> 
I want to figure that out before we drive there. Yeah, I guess I guess so. I'm cutting down. I'm actually cutting down to 70 and then 15, and you know, because I'm gonna go through Vegas, Vegas, baby. But um, uh, visit us on the web as opposed to what in real life. Visit us at overthinkingit.com, the site where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. deserve.